for us this morning. Thank you so much, Adele. How is everybody this morning? Are we good? That was awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. Thanks for sharing. That takes a lot of courage, especially sharing some stuff for the very first time as well. And, uh, and I'd just like to welcome any first-time visitors. It's good to have you in the house this morning. Um, so that's good. Jay, Pastor Jacob is preaching at Midpoint Church in Elkamos, which is just a suburb next to us. So he had a very short drive to church this morning, so good for him. And uh, so we know he's going to be a blessing there as well. Um, so that's uh, good. And how good was that song? I think we might have to finish with that if we got time today. That was uh, amazing. King of Kings, that's what it's all about, hey? Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, amen. I'm just going to pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time together right now, Lord. We thank you for your word, Father God. I pray your word would go forth, Lord. We pray for soft hearts, Lord. We pray for good soil, Father God, that your word would go deep, Father. And we just commit uh, this time that we've got the next 30 minutes to you, and we pray that you will be done, Father, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Fantastic. So week two uh, is today, and um, so it's only a two-week series, so we're wrapping up today, basically. Next week, we have Alan preaching. Uh, so you want to be here for that, so that's awesome. And, uh, and then we go into our Easter series, uh, Easter already I know, so we're going to go into our Easter series and it's called Open Arms and so we're really excited about that, so stay tuned uh, for more details. Now last week, uh, you know, you may have come to be encouraged and thought, I'm going to come to church, be encouraged and float out on a cloud, you know, a nice little white fluffy cloud and, and it's going to feel good. But instead, uh, I think we'll forced to take an inward look, weren't we? We were challenged and, and, um, and uh, the question that we asked is, is there a Jonah in me? Is there a Jonah in me? And the answer is there's a Jonah in all of us. There is a Jonah in all of us. And we're left with two questions by the end of last week's message. And the questions were this, what are you running from? What are you running from? And are you okay with God loving your enemies? And not just loving your enemies, I'm talking blessing your enemies, pouring out favour upon your em enemies, making your enemies successful. Are you okay with that? And we're forced to kind of look at those questions. And, uh, and I really hope that you took time over the week to consider those questions seriously uh, before God. You know, our hope at Grace is not just to preach messages that make you feel good, but messages that transform your heart and your life. It's so important that, that, that the messages, the word of God that we're hearing transforms us from the inside out. And so I really encourage you, if you missed the message, then jump online and have a listen. If you want to be challenged uh, and if you want to put yourself before God there. Now, I send out weekly emails um, and I attach the podcast. And so if you're not getting uh, my emails that I sent out, then you've either unsubscribed... <laughs> thank you or we don't have your email so if you're not getting my emails then just give us your email and then you can start receiving them as well um so now i think we're a little bit harsh on jonah last week so we watched um the the um recap uh which was pretty awesome i think from the bible project so that was pretty cool but i think we're pretty harsh on him and i think it's important um, that we have to remember that Jonah was called to a pretty barbaric place. God said to him, uh, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and I want you to preach um, this message to them, which is basically repent and turn to God. And we have to understand that Nineveh at the time was the capital of Assyria and Jonah was a prophet of Israel and Israel was Assyria's or Nineveh's greatest enemy. So we have to understand that. And that these people were extremely powerful. I mean, they would skin people alive. 
They would bury people up until their necks and leave their heads out of the sand and just let them die that way. They would cut people's heads off and create pyramids out of their heads and uh, outside the cities just so it's a statement from them to say, uh, we've been here and we've done this. So they go into cities and just murder and torture everyone. So this, this, this is what we're dealing with here, uh, basically. So when God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, I'm sure his very first thought is, I'm going to die. Seriously, I'm going to die. You know, we worry about when God asks us to invite the neighbour to church or, or reach out and share your faith or your testimony about how Jesus has made a difference in my life. We're all worried about how we feel. Oh, what if they say no? What if they think funny of me? Or what if they know I'm a Christian? But Jonah, I mean, his challenge was, I'm going to die. I'm seriously going to die. And so Jonah ran, and you can understand why, right? But not only that, he hated these people. He wanted vengeance. He didn't want mercy. He wanted to see these people die. He, he, he said in chapter 4, he said, the reason I ran is because I knew you were a merciful God. I knew that you were slow to anger. I knew that you were compassionate. I knew that you would just pour out your mercy and your grace and forgive these people. And I didn't want that. He didn't want them to experience God's grace and God's mercy as he had. We know Jonah was the rebellious prophet, right? And he experienced God's grace and mercy, but he didn't want to see them experience that as well. But God was calling Jonah to serve his enemies. God called Jonah to serve his enemies, which reminds me of someone else we know, and his name is Jesus. Jesus seems to be a theme this morning. It's pretty good when you're in a church, right? <laughs> we love Jesus. Jesus came to serve his enemies, didn't he? He came to serve those that ridiculed him, those that rejected him, those that spat on him, those that pushed him away, those that said, we don't believe in you. You're not our saviour. Go away. Jesus came to serve his enemies. He was called to serve his enemies. You know, some of us dismiss the Old Testament as if it's not relevant. We say, oh, that's just the Old Testament. But we have to understand it's pictures of who Jesus is. They're shadows of who Jesus is. All scripture points us to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's through the filter of Jesus Christ that we read scripture. And we can easily dismiss large sections of the Bible, Leviticus, Numbers. What are the, some of those other one, cool ones that you're like, oh, do I really? You're doing the one-year Bible and it's like, really? Do we really have to read this? Can't we skip over? Is that really the date today? But we dismiss it because we're not looking for Jesus. We dismiss it because we're not looking for Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm a really unobservant person. Jacob, my husband, is the complete opposite. He'll notice everything. Even just this week, I said, where's that thing that's normally in our room just over there? He's like, Mel, it hasn't been there for two years. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> but I miss a lot of things. But I look for things that interest me. If it interests me, then I see it. And the question is, is, do you see Jesus in your everyday life? Do you see Jesus in your issues? Do you see Jesus in your circumstances? Do we see Jesus in all parts of the Bible? Don't dismiss the Old Testament. Don't dismiss certain sections of the Bible because you think, oh, well, it's the New Testament. Yeah, the New Testament's great, but we need to read it all within context. John 5.39 says this, You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. 
You know, it's one thing to read the Bible and understand Scripture and tick your box, yep, I've had my quiet time this morning, but it's another thing to allow the power of Jesus Christ to transform your life. It's another thing to understand that Jesus is a person and that you can walk with him every single day, every day. You commune with him, you walk with him. He's in you every day. There's power in God's word, yes, but that power comes from Jesus and all scripture points to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the King of kings, the Prince of peace, the Lord of lords. Amen? And so we know God called Jonah to preach to the city of Nineveh and Jonah ran away in the complete opposite direction. 4,000 kilometres to be exact. That's a long way, hey? But who knows that doesn't matter how far you run, you cannot hide. It doesn't matter how far you run, you cannot hide. Adam and Eve tried to hide in the Garden of Eden and they did fig leaves and covered their private parts and they hid amongst the trees, the Bible said. And God came out and said, where are you? As if he didn't know. He's God. Where are you? And Adam said, I hid because I was afraid. I hid because I was afraid. And so Jonah's run in the opposite direction and he jumps on a ship. And we pick up the story in chapter 1, verse 4. I think it's verse 4. Yeah? Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? It's a lot of questions. This is probably how Jacob feels sometimes. He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. Have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. You know, I think the devil gets a lot more blame and credit for the storms, issues, and circumstances in our lives than he's actually responsible for. I think he gets too much credit. I think he, you know, yeah, we want to blame him because he's bad, but I think he gets too much credit and too much blame. The scripture says it was God that sent the storm. God sent the storm. It was God that sent the storm to grab Jonah's attention. He had to do something drastic because Jonah was running 4,000 kilometres, right? It was because of Jonah's disobedience that the storm was sent, which was of God and not of the devil. And it's interesting to note that the sailors on the ship were being affected 
by Jonah's disobedience. It wasn't just Jonah, but it was the, the sailors on the ship that were being affected as well. They were being severely impacted by this storm caused by Jonah's rebellion. They were being impacted by someone else's doing. So it wasn't just Jonah that was being affected. It was the sailors as well. The scripture said they feared for their lives. They were scared. They were anxious. They, they, they had to throw all their cargo overboard. They were suffering loss, both emotionally and physically. They were being affected. And then we read, yet Jonah is sound asleep. So the sailors are panicking, fearing for their lives, casting, getting rid of all their stuff, and Jonah is sound asleep. Have you ever had someone in your life whose actions and decisions affect you greatly? You've ever had someone in your life like that? They affect your time, your money, your sanity? I think I'm going crazy. I actually am going crazy. They're affecting, they're affecting these things in you, and yet they're sleeping soundly. They don't seem to have a care in the world. And maybe that person's being you. Maybe that has been you. Maybe it's you right now. I don't know. But I certainly know it's been me. I certainly know I've created enough storms in my life that have greatly impacted other people. And the sailors had no other choice but to throw Jonah out of the boat. They had no other choice. As much as they didn't want to, they tried all they could to save him. We just read in the scripture, they rode even harder. They tried to get to shore. But the storm just got worse. The storm just got worse. Have you ever tried to help someone and they've just got worse? You're doing all you can and they just get worse. You have to ask yourself the question, maybe it's time for this person to get out of my boat. You have to. And I know that doesn't sound very Christian. And I know that you love them and you don't want to just as the sailors were like that as well. But maybe it's time for God to do his work. Maybe it's time for God to do his work. Even the pagan sailors recognised that God had sent the storm upon Jonah for his own good reasons. They recognised that. They said, you, you, you God have done as you will. This is your doing. We understand that. It's between Jonah and God now. They got that. Do we get it? They got that. You know, it can be foolish to, to get involved in, in someone else's fight. You know, Proverbs says, I think it's the same as tugging on a stray dog's ears is the same as, as, is the same as getting involved with someone else's quarrel. It's in Proverbs somewhere. <laughs> but some people just need to hash it out with God. They just, you, they just need to hash it out with God and we just have to get out of the way. Some of us need boundaries in place so God can do his work. And so Jonah gets thrown overboard and the storm calms immediately. The storm calms immediately. Have you ever put boundaries in place and the drama just stops? Have you experienced that? I know I have. All of a sudden you're kind of drama free. Wow. Wow. You know, we get to choose who we allow into our life, who we allow into our space, who we allow, who we hang out with. And yes, we're called to be generous with our lives and our time and our love. But sometimes we need to put boundaries in place so that people's storms stop impacting and affecting us in such a negative way. It's okay 
It's okay. We can do that. And the drama will only stop when they say, whoever it is, and I'm saying I've been that person, but the drama will only stop when that person says, yes, God. And guess what? We can't say it for them. They have to say, yes, God, the surrender's got to come from them. So it would have been foolish for the sailors to keep trying to save Jonah. We read they tried to save him. You know, they rode harder. They tried to get to shore. They did everything they could, but only God could save him now. And it would be through grace. That's how it would come, through grace. So we read on in Jonah chapter 1. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You held me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I'll look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains I sat down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I'll make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You know, God providing the fish was God's grace. That was God's provision right there. That was God's grace. And again, it reminds me of someone else we know. Again, it reminds me of Jesus. You know, some people actually think this is a made-up story. It's like, for real, do you actually believe that Jonah was swallowed by a fish? Jesus believed it. He speaks about it himself in Matthew chapter 12. When he walked this earth, he spoke about it. He said this, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He spoke about it himself. He referred to it a couple of times in Scripture. If it's good for Jesus to believe, it's good for me, right? Is there logic involved? No. But since when is logic connected to faith? Both are a picture of God's incredible grace. Jonah in the belly of the fish, God's grace. Jesus in the heart of the earth, three nights and three days, God's grace. In both cases, it looked like punishment though. It looked like Jesus being sent to be tortured, rejected, ridiculed, spat on, thorns stuck in his skull, whipped, and then to die painfully on a cross. It looked like punishment. Yet it was an incredible display of God's grace. Jonah being swallowed by a fish, it looked like punishment, yet it was an incredible display of God's grace. And it's important that we understand the difference between God's grace and God's punishment. A lot of the time we think God is punishing us when in fact he's been extremely gracious to us. We think he's punishing us, but he's trying to get 
provision to us. And so God had finally got Jonah to a place where there was just no room for him to move. There was nowhere for him to go. Think about Jonah in the whale for a minute. He's uncomfortable. He's cramped. He can't move. He can't run. He has no other options, nowhere to go. He, he's lost control. He's lost power in a sense. He's cramped inside this fish. Have you ever had a time, <laughs> I'm laughing because I've had plenty, where God's got you in this place? Have you ever experienced what I'm talking about right now where God has you in this place? And it's not to destroy you, but it's for God to begin to do a work on your heart. It reminds me of many years ago when God, through his incredible grace, provided a facility called Teen Challenge for me. And at times I thought it was punishment. I seriously did. I apologise, Malcolm and Marjorie. But at times I thought it was punishment. Have you ever done dishes for 50 people by yourself with no dishwasher? You're there for a good few hours at that sink. It felt like punishment. And then you leave food in the sink and you get reported again. Then you get another night's dishes for 50 people by yourself without a dishwasher. At times it felt like punishment. But I had created multiple storms in my life through my own rebellion, through my own disobedience and generously, mind you, sharing my multiple storms with other people. I was like, here, have this storm. Here, take that one. Here, I'm going to throw another one out there. I'd like to share my multiple storms with you people because that's what, you know, you love me and that's what it's about, right? Until they said no more. Keep your storms. We love you, but we just can't. We're not going to play and be a part of this. It's not going to happen anymore. So literally with nowhere else to go, no other option yet death seriously is where I'm at I'm stuck in this place on a farm I'm from Perth a city girl and I'm in a place called Gibson down at the bottom beautiful place by the way I love visiting there now but I love leaving too because I get to <laughs> when you're in that place it feels uncomfortable is what I'm trying to say it's it's a place of of there's nowhere to go, there's no, there's no other options. God had me in that place. And, and incredibly, the place is called Grace Academy. That's what it's named, Grace Academy. And so, but God had me there to begin, not to get me off drugs and alcohol. Yeah, that's just, he just used that as just, we'll get her there. But really, it was to begin to work on my heart. First comes salvation. Key part in your journey is salvation, giving your heart to Jesus Christ. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So, so important. The first part of your journey is entering into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then what happens is what's called discipleship. Discipleship. God began to work on my heart. He began to shape me, heal me, comfort me, grow me, speak to me, stretch me. Do his work in me. The Bible says that we are the clay 
and he is the potter and he shapes us and he moulds us to be all he created us to be. That's the purpose, to be all that he created us to be. And so Jonah kept, uh, God kept Jonah in that fish for three days and three nights, moulding and shaping and doing what he wanted to do, working on his heart, mending, healing, comforting. He was reshaping Jonah to be the man that he'd called him to be. And the man that he'd called him to be was to go and preach to the city of Nineveh and tell them to repent so that he could save them. That was Jonah's calling and God had to work in his heart to do that. And the question is, is what has God called you to? Don't worry about them. (laughs) Stay with me. What has God called you to? What has he called you to? Is what you are going through right now a place that God is using to mould you and shape you? Speak to you, comfort you, help you be all that you're created to be and sometimes it even looks like a final punishment you know death Jesus death on the cross looked like a final punishment didn't it it looked like the end Jonah being swallowed by a fish looked like a final punishment if the sailors saw him being eaten they would be there goes Jonah he's dead for sure it looked like a final punishment you know Jesus disciples were devastated They were like, we thought he was our saviour and now he's died. They thought it was a final punishment. Sometimes it looks like death. It looks like there's no other way. It looks like the dream's gone for sure. It looks like there's no hope. But there's always hope. And what looks like helplessness, there's hope in helplessness. It's a place of brokenness. It's a place of brokenness and it's where God does his best work. Even King David knew that. This is what King David said in Psalm 51. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. It's where God does his best work. It's a place that he brings us to. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favour on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you'll be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. It's a place God needs to have us for him to do his best work, a place of brokenness. And it's where Jonah was. He was in a place of brokenness. It's where I was at Teen Challenge, in a place of brokenness. And other times since then as well, God's done and continues to do a work in my life and he does a work in yours as well. And, and in a way, it is a death. In, in a way, it is, it's a dying to self. A dying to self. Jesus had to die to self. You know, when he cried out in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, My soul is deeply grieved, Father, if there is any other way. If there is any other way. Jonah himself cried out to God from the realms of death as well. That was his prayer. He said, from the realms of death. It's a dying to self. It's a place of brokenness where God can do his best work. And we're not to despise it. God will use that place to get our hearts positioned to where we can say, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And then and only then can resurrection come. Then and only then can resurrection come. Jesus had to die so there could be a resurrection, didn't he? 
If he didn't die, there'd be no resurrection. He had to get to this place. Jonah had to die to self for them to be a resurrection. By the time God had finished with Jonah, three days and three nights in, in the belly of the fish, the scripture said he was vomited up onto dry land. Doesn't sound very nice, but that was Jonah's resurrection. That was Jonah's resurrection. And we read on. Jonah 3, 1 to 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And so Jonah's come out of that place, that place of dying to self. He's been resurrected. And then what comes is obedience. Obedience finally comes. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. You know, I've heard it said that the greater the anointing is the greater the breaking. The greater the anointing is the greater the breaking. And not a breaking to hurt us, but a breaking to die to self so that we can be all that God's created us to be. So that we can be all that God's created us to be. While we're in the season of brokenness, and it's so important to understand that this place of brokenness is just a season. It's actually not the final destination. You're not meant to stay there. It's just a season and it'll, you'll have different seasons on your journey in God. It's not like you just have one season and you're done, good. We're good to go. There's seasons of brokenness where God reshapes you, remolds you. You know, if you think about the, the potter with the clay, if you think about how they just reshape that and mold and, and God does that in different seasons in our lives. But while we're in this season of molding and shaping, we can take note from Jonah about his time spent in the fish. And what Jonah did was pray. That's what Jonah did. He prayed. And what stands out to me is that his prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving. It wasn't um, a get me out of here prayer. It wasn't a self-pity prayer. It wasn't um, why me prayer. It wasn't a blaming prayer. It was thank you, Lord. You could have let me die and sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Instead, you sent this huge fish to swallow me and you did a work in me and you rescued me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. That was his prayer. It was a prayer of thanksgiving. It was a prayer of gratefulness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for responding to me. Uh, Pastor, many years ago, I remember, because uh, I was in his church at that time, I wasn't at Teen Challenge, but I was in this pastor's church, and he went down to Teen Challenge, and I only think he'd spent one night there. He's got a large church, so I guess he's a busy guy, but he went, he went down there for one night and come back, and I was in the congregation, and, and he was talking about saying how amazing it was, but he said, one thing I noticed is that they're just so thankful and grateful down there. Just a spirit of thankfulness and a spirit of gratefulness. Why? Because they know they should be dead and God saved them. And that's the same heart attitude that we should all have. This spirit of gratefulness and this spirit of thankfulness. Jonah had hope in his helplessness. He recognised that God could have left him to the storm that he had created, yet through his incredible grace he saved him. Thanksgiving is a key to unlocking the resurrected life. Thanksgiving is the key to unlocking the resurrected life. And then in chapter 3, we know Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh and brings God's message and the entire city, the king and even the cows repented. 
How cool is that? So Jonah fulfills the mission he was called to. Finally, Jonah fulfills the mission. Give Jonah a clap. I think we should be a bit more of an engaging church, you know. We've got to work hard up here, but let's have some engagement. An amen every now and then would be awesome and a clap or something because we're celebrating God's word here right now. So church, we, from this day forward, we're going we're gonna to commit ourselves to doing that. Is that okay? Yeah, more than just the front row. I like what Mark said. I've got two AMs from the front row, but what about the rest of you at the back? And you're not that far away. Maybe one day we will have, but right now, let's be more engaging, hey? So then in chapter four, so he's fulfilled his mission finally. And then in chapter four, it looks like Jonah has forgotten about his time in the fish. It looks like he's forgotten about his time. He gets angry at God for forgiving and saving the Ninevites. So now he's angry at God. It was okay for God to extend mercy and grace to him, but it wasn't okay to extend mercy and grace to his enemies. Sometimes when we're busy judging others, we forget about the times that God was incredibly gracious and merciful to us, right? I'm the same. I put my hand up. I forget when I'm busy judging my little judgy head off how gracious God was to me. Jonah chapter 4. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and, and waited to see what would happen to the city. He's waiting. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided. See, God provided, God provided, God provided. Let's stop blaming the devil. God provided, God provided. God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Who knows, Jonah's dramatic. But so are some are we. Some are we, some of us. But, Jonah, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from the left and also many animals? And again, we see God extending his incredible grace and mercy to Jonah again. He's spending time moulding and shaping him again. He's spending time challenging him to go higher again. You know, the discipleship never ends. It's a journey that we're on continuously. And this scripture should challenge us to think about those that are lost and those that are in spiritual darkness. We should be challenged by that. Those that are going to a very hot place, hotter than the sun on Jonah's head. He was worried about the hot sun. The people around us, they're going to an extremely hot place. When the end of their life comes, where will they spend eternity? Where will they spend eternity? And where are we more concerned with trivial things like Jonah was with the plant than, than the people that are around us that they could be lost forever? Are we more concerned with trivial things? Where will these people spend eternity? They're people that we interact with daily in our workplace 
our family, our neighbours. Like if you just stop and got yourself, and I know I'm, I have to do the same, if you actually stop and think about it, if what you believe in is what you believe in, if it's true, life, death, heaven, hell, then if you think about your everyday interactions, we need to think about where these people are going. Should we not feel sorry for them? Should we not do all we can to save them? Proverbs 24, 10, 12, rescue those being led away to death, hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? Church, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to point people to Jesus, to share our faith, to invite people to church, to care about the eternal destination of those around us. Jesus said when he walked this earth, now something greater than Jonah is here. That's what he said. Now something greater than Jonah is here. And he was speaking about himself. He was speaking about himself. Jesus is here amongst us. He wants us to build his kingdom. He wants to partner with us. He's saying, will you come? Will you answer the call? Will you help me? He cared just like he cared about that 120,000 in Nineveh. We're surrounded by people just here in Perth, let alone the rest of the world. You know, Jonah said to the sailors, throw me over and then the sailors will be saved. Jonah, in essence, saved the sailors because he said he just told them, which was good of him, wasn't it? But Jesus came to save the world, everybody, every single person he came to save. Last week, we asked the question, I'm finishing up now. Last week, we asked the question, what are you running from? If you stand to your feet, we're going to go into a song in a minute. This week, I want to ask you this question. And the question is, is what can you run to? What can you run to? And it's my hope and prayer that for every single one of us, that our answer is that we want to run to Jesus. And not by ourselves, though. That we run and we grab as many people as we can and bring them with us into God's kingdom. And so the question is, what can I run to? What can you run to? Have a think about that. I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for your word right now. We thank you for the story of Jonah, Lord God. It's more than just a fun kid's story that you're telling kids' church, Lord God. There's so much that we can learn uh, about you and what you've called us to, Lord God. I pray you continue to transform our hearts, Lord God, that you continue to break us and mould us and shape us to be all that you've called us to be, not only as individuals but as a church as well, Lord God. And so we answer that question, what can we run to, Lord? We run to you, Father God. And we bring as many people as we can with us, Lord, that we would shrink back no more, that we would hold back no more, that we would have an unrestrained boldness like never before to walk in all that you have for us, Lord God. Praise you, God. And just while we've got our eyes closed, I just want to give anybody that's here an opportunity to, uh, if you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you'd like to do that this morning, anyone listening online right now, it's a simple prayer. We spoke about it earlier. And maybe this morning you want to make a recommitment and that's okay too because we're on the journey. It doesn't just happen once. Well, salvation does, but... And so I want to give you that opportunity right now, if that's you. If you just slip your hand up in the air, 
and we'll pray a simple prayer all together as a church. If that's you, let's pray together, church. I see that hand. Let's pray together, church. God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. I thank you for your incredible grace. Thank you that he died on a cross for me. I ask that you forgive my sins. Wash me clean. Today I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, it's an awesome step in your journey. And um, God bless you. I hope that word, uh, that you've received it into your heart this morning. Allow it to keep working in your heart. And we're just going to... We're just going to give God all the glory right now. We're going to go into that song, King of Kings, because it's so good. And we're going to finish up this morning. If anyone would like prayer as well, just during this time, please come forward and we can pray uh, for whatever you want prayer for as well. darkness we were waiting without home without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle 